Dr. Lori McCauley grew up in New York City and got her DVM from Colorado State University in 1992. After six years in private practice, she was certified in acupuncture and chiropractic. After a personal injury introduced her to physical therapy, she started the first veterinary rehabilitation-specific practice in 1998 in Illinois. She helped design the first underwater treadmill for animals during this time. A prolific author and speaker, Dr. McCauley has written numerous articles, scientific papers, and books. She is the author of the books Canine Rehabilitation and Physical Therapy for Veterinary Technicians, Canine Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation, and Building the Canine Athlete. She has presented lectures and done wet labs at countless conferences both nationally and internationally. She has been on the faculty at the Canine Rehabilitation Institute for 14 years as well. She received the IAMS AARV Award for Excellence in 2011 and the AHVMA Holistic Practitioner of the Year Award in 2015. In 2016, Dr. McCauley moved to North Carolina and started a house call rehabilitation practice. In April of 2020, she launched Optimum Pet Vitality, an online platform for teaching rehabilitation to veterinarians, veterinary technicians, and physical therapists. She is planning to launch an extended laser therapy course on that platform in August of 2020. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Lori McCauley. Dr. McCauley, thanks for joining me today. Hey, how's it going, Neil? Good to hear from Great. you. Great. Great. Thank you. Hey, so where did you grow up? I actually grew up in New York. I don't tell that to everybody. I tell people that I escaped from there when I was 17. <laughs> in New York City or New York State? Long Island. Okay. And then, uh, so when did the idea of becoming a veterinarian hit you? Um, you're going to laugh. I was about 12 and my mom said, you know, Laura, you're kind of smart. You either need to be a, you either need to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I said, well, I don't want to go to school for that long. So I'll be a doctor instead of a lawyer. Uh, (laughs) By the time I was 15, I was volunteering at an animal hospital. And by the time I was 16, I was working there and I fell in love and it's been my path ever since. So where did you go? um, Where'd you do your undergrad? University of Denver. My sister moved out of New York and I followed her out. So I did University of Denver for undergrad and then Colorado State for vet school. What'd you major in in undergrad? Biology, chemistry. So what was your backup plan or did you have one in case you didn't get in? No backup plan. It's what I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So was, uh, did you have any other options besides Colorado State at that time? Could you have applied other places? Um, my home state was New York, so I may have been able to apply to Cornell. But one of the reasons I did my undergrad in Colorado was because I had heard some crazy stories about Cornell. So I thought Colorado would be nicer. I can remember going to DU for my interview and coming to my mom and saying, Mom, a stranger said hi to me. This is so different than New York. Isn't that crazy? I had never um, really been around anyone in any particular, for any particular amount of time until I did my internship. And we had an ophthalmologist at Minnesota that was from, from New York city. And that's just the way it was. I mean, he didn't say hi to anybody, mm-hmm. you know, he just walked, walked down the hall with his head down and that was it. And I'm so different than that. When I went to Colorado, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm home. People are open and friendly. People do things, nice things for each other. It was awesome. So how many people were in your vet school class? 128. That's a good size. Mm-hmm. 
was it going to be, so were you about 50% women or where, what was the ratio there? That was a long time ago. I don't think we were 50% women, but it was probably close. Do you think you got a great education there? Unbelievable. I remember being worried about boards and someone saying, Lori, 98% of the people from Colorado State pass their boards. So as long as you're not in the bottom 2%, you're fine. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I'm good. That's great. So was it, was it always going to be small animal or what were your interests in school? Absolutely. Dogs and cats were my love. Um, so what hap- uh, where'd you go after graduation? I lived in Colorado. Uh, well, actually, I lived in Colorado for undergrad and vet school, and then I moved to Illinois, and um, I lived there for 24 years. I did general medicine for six years, and then life went crazy. Yeah. So what kind of practice did you go, in, go into right out of school? I went into a crazy six-doctor practice that we worked 55, 60 hours a week, um, it, but it was what I wanted. It was like an, an internship in private practice. You, you felt you had good mentoring then? Pretty good. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And a lot of, just a lot of cases. Lots and lots and lots of cases. It was one of those that um, there would be four doctors sitting down and there were no appointments. So they'd say, okay, a new case came in. Who wants to go get it? And I was always the first one like, I'll go see it. I was the gunner. How was that being, not having scheduled appointments? That must've been crazy. It was. It was absolutely. Um, what part of the state were you in then? Um, right outside of Chicago. Okay, all right. And then, how long were you at that practice? Two years, and I learned what burnout was. Ugh. <laughs> and then I went to a small practice in Oswego, which is like a cow or was a long time ago a cow town, and realized that I needed um, a, a different type of practice, something that was all the bells and whistles. And, um, I went up to Wisconsin and I worked there for two years and, um, that was much better. And then my whole life changed. So were you in rural, when you went to Wisconsin, was it a rural area as well? Or were you? No, when the, my second practice was a rural area. And one of the reasons I left was I can remember a a client coming in and saying, doc, if you can't fix my dog for 50 bucks, I'm going to take him home and shoot him because it's a five cent bullet versus a vet bill. And I'm like, I, I can't practice here. All right. Now let's talk about, so what drew you into rehab then? So I, um, had, I was at, like I said, a practice that had all the bells and whistles. It was amazing. This is 98 and I had color flow Doppler endoscopy, all certified techs. It was amazing. We actually had the first um, uh, surgical laser unit between Chicago and and Wisconsin. And I had this really strong feeling that I needed to learn acupuncture. And I'm like, okay, I feel that. And I went to my boss and said, I want to learn acupuncture. He said, I don't believe in it. I won't give you the time off. I won't pay for it. And if you do it, I won't refer to you. Holy cow. Okay. And I went home and I prayed about it and I'm like, okay, yep, this is what I'm going to do. So at the same time, my sister-in-law who ran a training kennel um, with police dogs and FEMA dogs and all stuff like that said, Hey Lori, if you're learning about acupuncture, can you learn about physical therapy? Because 
I see all these working dogs and the surgeon says they're fine and the x-rays look fine and they just don't function the way they're supposed to. You know, we're retiring these really expensive dogs and we shouldn't be. And I said, oh yeah, I'll just take another course. And then I realized there was no course. And then at three in the morning, I fell down the stairs, putting my dogs out. How apropos. And <laughs> I went to the chiropractor and they couldn't fix me. And I went to a surgeon and they sent me to a physical therapist. And it was like a light bulb going off in my head. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. You mean you can do this and this and this? I could use this to treat this patient and this to treat that patient. And so I started the first rehab clinic in the world. Wow. So where did you do your um, acupuncture course at? Ivis. Absolutely Ivis. love it. Yep. A great, great Where was course. the course that year? Houston. Ah, okay. And then how, how f- soon after did chiropractic follow? You know, things happen for a reason. So I got really busy doing rehab, even though I promised myself I I had a new son. I was only going to work three days a week, no more than eight hours a day. And that lasted maybe a month. Um, So within a year, I was super busy and I hired another vet to help. And I said, you know, can you do acupuncture and and chiropractic? And she said, well, I don't do acupuncture, but I do do chiropractic. And I said, okay, great. I'll do the acupuncture. You do the chiropractic. And then I said, so tell me how and when do I refer to you? And she said, well, whenever there's subluxations. And I said, well, what's a subluxation? It's like, well, things don't move. Okay, how do I know that? Well, you have to take the course to learn that. <laughs> like, if I'm going to take the course to learn when to refer to you, I'll take the course to treat my own patients, which is what I did. Yeah. So a year later, after um, acupuncture, I took chiropractic. Ad options. Ad options. Yeah, that was the only one available at the time. Sure. So they were in... in uh... Hillsdale, in Illinois. Prob- yeah, probably then. So you you got in the car and drove. Yep. It was only three hours. In fact, oh. my last course, I didn't even I didn't take the test that, that session because I was nine months pregnant when the test was. Um, so I was like the second the, the last course, I'm like huge, climbing up on a bale, trying to work with a horse. It was fun. Wow. Um and so you started this practice from scratch then. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you go about, I mean, you knew you wanted to do the rehab, the physical therapy. What, how did, how did you learn anything? Where did you, what did so, you do? Okay. Crazy. You know, I feel like, um, sometimes things, doors open in your life. I feel like I've been pushed through so many doors. Um, uh, I look to see, okay, I'm going to do this. And I said, okay, who's doing it in the country? And the only one I could really find was Bob Taylor in Colorado. So if you remember um, Alameda East was yes. Emergency Vets, the TV show, I went there. Mm-hmm. I called him up and I said, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. Can I come and spend a month with you? I have this new baby. And his practice literally was five miles from my mom's house, right? Things work that way, right? So Built-in babysitter. Out, huh? Built-in babysitter. Yeah, Exactly. So I drove out to Colorado and my mom watched my baby and I was at work and he had said, Lori, I never take interns because he had his own like internship program. And he's like, but for some reason I'm going to take you. I'm like, okay. So I spent a month. We did some research together. I learned everything I could. His physical therapist that had been working with him for years had just left. So they just brought someone new in. Um, and I learned a ton. I, if I wasn't seeing a patient, I was reading every physical therapy textbook I could get my hands on, working with the animals. 
it was just a great experience. What was their caseload like compared to yours as far as the, the population of pet, of animals that you were seeing? Um, when I was at they- Tops, I was seeing, I, w- I could work easily 12 to 16 hours a day. So yeah. their caseload was uh, nine to five. I probably saw three to five patients a day. So Tops definitely was much huger. Much I mean, the busier. fact that with Tops, we took, uh, I had three full-time doctors, so including me four, three full-time techs, just rehab, and we were booked three weeks out at a time. Yeah. And you'd hired your first associate pretty quickly. I did. And, and then hired another one a year later. And then you handled, you supervised their training. Mm-hmm. Right, because there was no course at the time. Yeah. Um how did the, I mean, obviously the public received it really well. How about the, the veterinarians in your area? At first they were a little bit shy thinking I was going to steal their clients. And I'm like, guys, I don't, at the time I didn't have a DEA license. I'm like, I don't carry vaccines. I don't do fecals. I don't even have a centrifuge. It's okay. And uh, one of, I had done an internship uh, with Dr. Jadreau, who has a huge clinic in Chicago and had become friends with his office manager. So while she was working there, she sent me tons of cases. And um, University of Illinois, the neurologist at the time was um, one of my old uh, college or vet school cronies. We went to school together at CSU, and she was a neurologist. uh, And she sent me cases for a while, but then she went off to another vet school. So I would have these huge waves. And then everything just built. People realized I wasn't going to steal their business. I did really good work. I would talk to them and send them reports that were like informative and help them learn and told them what I was, what I wanted them to do. So I'd be sending, like, I don't have an x-ray. I don't have x-ray equipment. I need this x-ray. Um, you know, Hey, this, so it built their business. Hey, I need this, this drug for this dog. I'm not going to carry it. They can get them from you. So they appreciated that. How about the, uh, the police dog end of it? Was oh, that, yeah. How did that go? It went great. It started with me working with a couple of the police dogs. And then I put together a program so that I could work with the dogs their second week of training because they would have eight weeks of training and then their seventh week of training. So before bite work and after bite work so that they knew I was the good guy, don't bite me, and that I could help them. And then I would work with the officers to decrease injuries, things to look for, how to massage and stretch their dogs. So that was great. So you must have made friends with trainers pretty, pretty quickly. Oh yeah. 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 And the, you know, the police frequently would have a dog. And then when the handler, um, retired the dog, sometimes they would get another dog, but a lot of times the, the police departments would give that honor because it really is, um, to somebody else. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the treadmill. Your ideas with so that and, and how that I was looking for a way to, yeah, I was looking for a way to work with dogs for, um, you know, again, we worked with a lot of the, the police dogs at German Shepherds and I was talking to my brother-in-law and we talked about an underwater treadmill and I'm like, that would be an awesome idea. Let's, you know, see what I can get. And there was none. Right. So I designed a pool with the help of a, a pool company. And it was a, literally an upside down cup, 10 inches of cement all the way around with a right side cup on top of it. 
And then I used, my first one had a jet ski lift that we redesigned and put a human underwater treadmill on top of it. And then we would have to crank it. And that's when I learned about elbow tendonitis or tendinopathy. I'm like, okay. So when we built the new building, we put in one with a boat lift that could lift, you know, 3,000 pounds and everything was good. Ah, so it was hydraulic. Yeah, that one was hydraulic. And we had jets going in and I put in glass on two sides with cameras and then video monitors so we could watch the gate as we were working with the dogs. We had a eye hook in the ceiling so we could hook up bungee cords at different strengths so we could work with them, balancing them if they were paralyzed. The other big thing that I, I recall that you did that nobody else was really doing was boarding, you know, the vet schools, but you had, you had the in-house capability, which was huge. Yeah. And I never put, to me, my dogs are my kids. They're just four legged and hairy. So I had sweets. I was one of the first ones to have sweets where the dogs had a door that went straight to the outside. So if they had trouble going potty, we could just put them on a stretcher and take them out. Um, we had grass and gravel and wood chips and a fence and bushes. So whatever they needed to go potty with was right there. So they were comfortable. Um, they had half doors so that we could check on them, TVs, soft music for at night. We took good care of them. So you started Tops in 98. So at what point did you build a new building? Oh, that's a tough question. Maybe 2004? Um, no, probably 2002. Okay. So you outgrew your facility really quickly. Yeah. Um, is it, uh, you, I don't know, is it on the same, uh, real, the same real estate as the old place? Yeah. Uh, no, no, okay. I'm sorry, no. Because I rented uh, part of a house to start it. And then, the, again, things happen, right? The property next door came up for sale. And um, they actually got a higher offer than what I offered. But the people that offered it to them had ticked them off. So they took my offer. So that worked out really well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So when you had associates, everybody, did everybody go through and be trained in acupuncture and chiropractic? And so that yeah, everybody could I, kind of do I everything? I paid for everybody to get their training so that yeah. they could all, and then I taught them the rehab until there was, and then I started teaching the rehab course for CRI. I taught there for 14 years. I started that in 2004. So you're building a building and you're going away and teaching at CRI. Yep. I taught the two days of the intro course and three days of the assistant course. So I was gone. And then the geriatric course and the laser course and all kinds of other stuff. And when did you start writing? I mean, you know, st you've got some textbook credits. When did, when did those sorts of things fall in the timeline? <laughs> yeah. You should have told me to pull up my CV. I have no idea. No, um, that's okay. It started with, you know, research articles. And then um, I guess the, the textbook for uh, the first rehab textbook, I wrote a chapter in that. And then the technician textbook, I think I was partial, you know, a contributing author for six of the editions, something like that. And then just a bunch of articles and stuff like that. Now, as you look back, do you, was it, were you at a point in the practice where you could, you could, uh, take some time away to do that writing or was it just getting squished? <laughs> You're in, so you know? funny. <laughs> I know. 
No, it was on top of everything. Yeah, Ken's question there. Um, I let, let's. I, I want to make a quick detour, and um, I was one of probably a, a ton of people that you allowed to come up and spend time with. Yeah. Um, so I was at the old place, and I just want to just want to say for everybody that um, Laura, you took me in for some time while I was getting my internship hours for Ivis, and I, I've never forgotten that. Um, it was, it was a wonderful experience meeting you guys and your staff and seeing the facility and, and I've never really said no to anybody that's asked me because of that example that you set for me. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. That means that something that I did is reaching many people through you. And that's, that's so heartwarming to hear. Thank you, Neil. Oh, you're welcome. You know, and that's just the story that I tell when people want to come spend time with me is that, you know you guys are busy and, and you didn't know me from anybody and you took my call or email or carrier pigeon or whatever it was back then and, and said, come on up. And I really, it, it made all the difference to me. Well, you might not know it, but I probably had at least a dozen, if not two or three dozen interns who came and actually stayed in my home. So I would cook them dinner, cook them breakfast, as well as teach them all day long. Oh, uh, well, having, having guests like that at, at, at our practice, I know, how, how good and how intrusive that can be. So that's, that's cool. That's cool. So thank you. I wanted to say You're welcome. that. All right. Then you relocated. Yeah. So, so um, I yeah. moved, uh, let's see, four years ago. Yeah. About four years ago down to North Carolina, I left the big crazy practice and started a house call practice and was still teaching, lecturing all over the place. And um, slowly, well, certainly with COVID that stopped, um, slowly decreased that to try to have a more of a balance in life. And yet, um, God has pushed me into this new business, uh, starting what back, I mean, it's been on my mind for the last literally 20 years that I needed to teach something online. Um, but um, I would again shoved through a door like you need to do this now uh, and started optimum pet vitality and it is just a huge huge project and commitment and the love of my life tell me about it so I ha- literally since you came and did your internship so in the old building I can remember thinking I need to teach this online I need to do videos because I, I, this sounds crazy. I don't like writing, right? That's kind of like saying, you know, I don't want to go to law school because I don't want to spend time in the library, right? Uh, yet, how much writing have I done? And it has gotten better over the years. Um, but I, I heard God call me and say, okay, you need to do this, like right now, this laser project. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, it'll be a couple hour course. It'll be fine. My laser course that's coming up, I've designed over 570 slides. And it has like 25 to 30 other videos. So we have 23 lectures, 23, 24 lectures with PowerPoint. And then I think it's starting with 22 lectures on um, working with the dog. So clinical, hey, this is how you do it. Let me teach you about this. Everything I can teach to people as openly and full heartedly as I taught you when you came to tops, because that's who I am and that's what I do. So it's this huge project, but I think it's going to be amazing. I, I really feel God's pushing me to 
bring this out. And in that, I also hear on my shoulder, as soon as that's done, we, we have this project and this project, and you have so much to give. Again, uh, Neil, I don't know how much you know about me, but um, I'm very God-driven, and I, I truly believe he works through me. I tell people, I am a 1972 Volkswagen bug, right? So remember the signs that used to say zero to 60? Yes, right? That's me. I'm mm-hmm. simple. One of the reasons I can teach is because I'm simple. And yet when God works through me, I'm a 2020 red Ferrari. And that's why my <laughs> patients get better, right? It's not me. Yeah. It's through me. Um, and I, I feel this teaching of everything that he's given me to be able to teach to others to help. Because well, why do I do what I do? It's to help as many dogs or as many animals as possible. It's probably been a huge learning curve, just the technology end of it, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The, the technology is crazy, but I'm finally getting it down. And again, I keep hearing like, if you made one mistake a day, you would take forever to learn. So you make a thousand mistakes a day and you learn from it and it's a huge curve. It's a hockey stick, well, right? Yeah. I mean, you're certainly a great resource. And then, I mean, this, this kind of project is just, I mean, there can, there's only one Lori and just, you can only go to so many meetings and do so many wet labs and this for you to be able to release new material every day and design these courses. It's just, I mean, it's an intersection of the right time for you and the technology. And even now when people are homebound and can't attend conferences, it just seems like a perfect storm, so to speak. Yeah. And the idea of being able to go back, right? So like people ask me, like, you're giving the students all of the the PowerPoints. I'm like, yeah, because I, you know, some people learn auditory, some people learn visual. Same thing with, instead of just having the videos, I literally wrote anywhere from four to seven pages for each one in case you're an, in case you're a visual learner so that you can read it. Or if you say, Hey, I want to go through this. Let me see where in the video it is. Oh, look, that's that time. I can just go watch this piece. I try to make it the full package. Incredible. We should back up. I want to back up a second because we skipped over board certification. Oh yeah. Okay. you ready for this story? So how how God driven I am. I had a technician, I was lecturing or doing a wet lab in, I think it was Ohio. And one of my technicians came with me and, and we're t- driving and it's at night. And she said, Lori, I worry. She actually had moved to Michigan, so I hadn't seen her in two years. Um, and she said, Lori, I'm worried that I'm getting complacent. And that word rang in my head. I'm like, oh my God, am I getting complacent? Am I just going in every day and doing what I do and not learning? And that for like literally two months, I would hear that word. And I'm like, okay, God, tell me what to do. So one day, literally, this may be TMI, I get in the shower and I'm like, okay, darn it, God, I need to know if I'm supposed to get board certified or what I'm supposed to do. It's a Sunday. I'm going to church. By the end of church, can you let me know one way or the other, please, if I'm supposed to get board certified? And I get out of the shower and I'm like, huh, my computer's in the bathroom. Why is that? I would never bring my computer in the bathroom. Oh, look, the top of the computer's up and my email's right there. Now you would think it would be asleep because I just took a shower, right? And I'm like, oh, look, there's a email from Jan Huntingford. She's a good friend of mine and I haven't heard from her in like six months. I wonder what Jan has to say. 
I don't even like, I, I'm not even dry yet. And I push the button to see what she has to say. And it says, I swear to God. Hi, Lori. I don't know why, but for some reason, I feel like God's telling me to tell you to get board certified. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can't ask for anything more clear than that. I guess I'm going to get board certified. And it was a crazy ride, crazy, crazy ride. But I learned a ton and I'm so glad I did it. How did you feel about the process? I mean, obviously you're, you're out in practice, kind of boots on the ground. Um, how did you feel the process went for someone who's, you know, you've done research, you've done writing, but your, your basis is in clinical practice. How did, do you feel like the, the testing process was too academic or was it just right? Or how did you, how do you feel that went? So there's four sections to it. The first one was all research-based. And then the second, so the first day is core. And then the second day is either canine or equine. Um, and it felt like the first one was very much research-based. And then the second one and the next two were, um, I'd say, balanced. And, and again, this was 2014. So things have changed a lot, I'm sure. A lot more test questions have been added. Um, but I remember coming out and the first one, I was like in shock. Like, oh, my God, I'm never going to pass this. This is all, you know, research-based. I don't know if I got the answers right. And all the surgeons that were taking the test were like, Oh, that was easy. And then the next three sessions, I'm like, oh, shoo, I got this covered. This isn't a bad. And all the surgeons were like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm going to pass. So it was very interesting. I can imagine. I can imagine. So um, just the, the difference in focus and putting together a new college. And I mean, what class of, of uh, testees, so to speak, were you in? Uh, Rephrase the was question. Like, I'm not sure what you're was asking. It like, was it like the first? It was it the first? How many years had they been giving the exam when you took it? Um, I think I was in the third or fourth class. Okay, so it hadn't had much chance to really evolve. Right. Let's like I said, it's changed a lot since then. But I mean, what a tremendous undertaking to be out working and studying. Yes. And I talked to Jan. I talked to Jan about this when we did her podcast. But it's just I I have all the respect in the world for people that can do that. It's just a huge, a huge undertaking. Okay. And let me tell you, this project that I'm working on now makes that look easy. Literally up at five in the morning, work until 11 o'clock at night to get this done every night for weeks on end. Um, yeah. It's crazy, but it's so worth it and it needs to get done. Okay. So the laser course is the first thing to, to, to really be coming out, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, projected timeline for that? We're, we're now in, we're in early August of 2020. It should be hopefully in the next two weeks. Okay, great. And we're going to have some materials or a link for people that are listening to this to be able to access that course, access the registration for that course with a bit of a discount. Absolutely. Um, where can people go to learn more about the business? Um, OptimumPetVitality.com. And think about this. This is literally everything I can give. So all of the research I have, all of my own private tips and tricks and anatomy all wrapped into one course and a lot of the like little things that you may not think about all in one course. I'll have to, I mean, let's plug the, the Instagram feed because yes, I love those have. little daily, those little daily snippets that you're doing um, are really informative. 
And I mean, that's no, that's no small feat either to have to put those together. Yeah, we try to be encouraging and informative and a little bit funny and and try to just brighten people's day and and help them learn. Wonderful. Hey, is there anything that we didn't talk about that maybe we should have? Uh, check out Optimum Pet Vitality. I, there's all kinds of stuff you can learn. We're on Facebook. Oh, yeah, the Ultimate Exercise Challenge. If we've got one more minute, I taught my yeah. dog... Um, my dog Sid is a 20 pound terrier mix who's straight legged. So if you know anything, straight leg dogs are common, most common to get cruciate injuries. And I'm like, my dog is not going to get a cruciate injury. I am going to make him so strong. It's just not going to happen. And I taught him to do all these exercises and I kept just pushing and pushing and pushing because he does everything I ask. So I got him walking on the peanut ball forward, backwards, um, circles, all kinds of fun stuff, like, like walking, like not supported at all. So I took a video of him going uphill and downhill walking on it outside. So it's a bumpy surface. And I put it out as a challenge. Anybody want to learn how to do this? And one of my clients from Chicago said, I do. And I'm like, all right, Laura, you're on. So every week we get together and I'm teaching her two new exercises to get her to take her nine-year-old Sheltie to get her working on the ball. And like, she's a highly competitive agility dog and is great with tricks. So she's smart and strong. And Laura's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. My dog is so much stronger. She's so much more stable. It's amazing. So we're on the process of getting her to walk on the ball. Cool. And people can find that. How did they go to the website or Facebook? So Optimum Pet Vitality on Facebook. All right. So Facebook, Instagram, anywhere else? LinkedIn. With social LinkedIn. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn as well. We have research articles and all kinds of fun stuff there too. Good. Good. Well, Lori, thanks so much for taking the time. I wish you all the best with the new venture. Thank you, Neil. I think it's going to be great. I can imagine the amount of work it is, but we're all going to benefit. Yeah. 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 I again, you know, I have all this information in my head and in my heart, and I just want to get it out there so that people can learn and take care of more dogs. And cats. Awesome. Thanks, Lori. You're welcome. Take care. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey there. If you're interested in Dr. McCauley's laser course, you can use a special code that they've given us to get a discount. That code is O-P-V-C-I-V-T. Again, that code is O-P-V-C-I-V-T. Thanks. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.